because that's what it's about for us, so we're excited about that. Well, for most of you, you would know that today is my last Sunday here. Um, not here ever, but on staff for a year. Uh, I'm going to be going on mat leave, and uh, so I just want to say thank you so much to all of you who have been praying for us. We can feel your prayers, and please continue to do so. There's one more thing left to do um, that's going to take some prayer. Okay, so awesome. So, uh, and I'm sure you will be among the first to find out from the people here when when our boy arrives, and we'll let you know about that. And so we're very excited, but thank you for your prayers. And we're excited to continue to be part of church family here. We're going to continue coming here, and you'll uh, see us on Sundays, and we're not going to go and hide for a year and then come back. We're just going to be a part of part of the congregation and part of the church family for a year. So I'm excited about that. So I just wanted to make sure people had heard from me, and uh, thank you for your prayers again. And Gary Jr., I pass the microphone to you. This is very symbolic, okay? Thank you, Cher. Good morning. I don't know what kind of summer you guys have had, but I have had a busy one. Uh, I just got married, and uh, when we got back from our honeymoon, uh, we met some of our friends, and they all asked, where are the wedding pictures? So it was almost as if they were more interested to see the pictures than they were to see me. But uh, I guess we got a few pictures up here. Isn't that nice? (laughs) And this is in Mexico. We went to Mexico. So that was really lovely. And we went to the Mayan ruins, so that was really cool to see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, my sermon this morning is called Community... Oh, thank you. So my sermon this morning is called Community, and my passage is Philippians 2, 1 to 2. So I'd like to read it for you. Therefore, if any are encouraged from being united in Christ, if any are comforted from his love, if any common sharing in his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you would uh, help us learn what it means to be a community that uh, submits to your authority and to the word of the Lord. And I pray that you would just help us learn how to critically think about what it means to be a community uh, this morning. In your name, amen. So if you had told me that I'd be uh, speaking up here four years ago, I probably wouldn't have believed you. Um, My whole life, people have actually been telling me I'd probably find myself up here one of these days, probably because I'm a pastor's son. That's just something you get all the time. But uh, I didn't really believe them because I'm just a very introverted and quiet person. But... uh, Something happened when I went to Briarcrest. I started to care about a few things, and one of those things is young adults in Canada. Um, <clears throat> we're in a pretty interesting situation in Canada, and people will call it the postmodern era, I guess you call it. And that's just a really big word, and it's really confusing. I don't really know. I don't even really fully understand. But basically, things are different than they were 20 years ago, and we all know that. And the church is in a new place, and so is Canada. 
And uh, one of the differences is young adults are a lot more spiritual than they were 10 years ago. They're a lot more interested in spirituality. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're all going to church. So, so it's, a, it's a different sort of situation we're in. Uh, it's just, I think it's a lot of opportunity. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, spiritual interest does not necessarily correspond with church attendance. And so I've grown up with a few of my friends going to church, and a lot of them stopped going to church at around age 18, 20, when uh, they go to university or whatever. And uh, so I asked them, okay, so why, don't, why have you stopped going to church? And uh, a few things they'll say. They'll say, well, one is boring, one is not relevant, it's, it's an old institution, one is not meaningful, or three, sorry. And these are some of their answers, but basically I feel that people my age feel they just aren't compatible with church anymore, or they feel that it made sense at one point in their lives, but it no longer makes sense for them now. Now, I sympathize with these guys because whenever I talk to them, they still believe in God, they still believe uh, that spirituality is an important part in their life, but we differ on this really important thing, which is the importance of church. So uh, many of my friends have asked me, why be so hard set on church? Why can't we just on Sundays instead just go to Starbucks with a few friends and talk about God? Isn't it really the same thing? And uh, so has any, anyone ever asked you that question? Has you ever thought about that question? Um, when someone first asked me that, I thought, hmm, I, w- I wonder if it is the same. But actually, there's a, a lot of differences. And today I'm going to talk about one difference, which is community. So why do people want to go to Starbucks instead of church? I think one reason is because people are looking for community. Uh, so this morning I want to contrast two things. The kind of spiritual community you would find at a coffee shop versus the kind of spiritual community you would find or should expect to find at the church. Um, every young adult I know is looking for community or, to put it another way, authentic and meaningful human interaction. But I don't think that's just a young adult thing. I think everybody wants that. Um, I think God made us that way. The other day I was on eBrandon now, I usually uh, go there to look at the classifieds to see if there's a new guitar or something. Um, I've noticed, now that I'm married, I can't just go on there and buy a guitar anymore. I have to, <laughs> I have to actually consult another person. And that's something I get used to, I guess. But I think I'm going to make a lot less dumb purchases because I'm married. So, so it's a good thing. But uh, anyways, I was on the page, and you know how, uh, I don't know how many of you go on eBrandon, but in the main page, there's this top story uh, something that highlight this one day it was entitled uh, how do you meet new people in Brandon I thought oh that's pretty interesting so I'll go and look it up I clicked on it and people get a few answers like oh you can go bowling or something like that but uh, <laughs> it'd be hard to go bowling by yourself and meet people but uh, <laughs> but most people there <laughs> but most people we're act, actually asking the question, I don't know where to find people either. Uh, where do you find people? Or one person said, I've been here three years, and I still haven't found a meaningful you know, conversation to have with somebody. And I thought, man, that's just lists of people desiring community. And like people are looking for it. God said in Genesis 2 that it's not good for man to be alone. I think we were created to commune with one another, to be in community to be involved in meaningful human interaction. So the question is, what is the difference between good community and bad community? Um, so we're, we're trying to figure out all these different ways to interact with people. One of them is cell phones. I just got a cell phone, by the way. Uh, man, it's, it's wonderful. I know I'm five years behind the rest of the world, but it's great. Um, f- cell phones is one way. Facebook is, 
exploded. Everybody has Facebook. My grandma has Facebook. Everybody does. <laughs> it's a really good tool, but there's a real problem when people think that Facebook can replace real human interaction, right? Like, we all know asking a girl out on Facebook is lame. You don't do that. Why? Because it's not real. It's not meaningful. You're not looking at the person face to face. But why would somebody ask a girl out on Facebook? I think, uh, I think that person wants community just like everybody else, but they get to this point where they realize, oh, it's actually a bit dangerous. It's a bit risky. Um, maybe I'll just stop here and stay safe, and maybe I'll just observe rather than participate. Um, and I think that's a, lot, that's a situation a lot of us find ourselves in. It says balance. We all want to have meaningful um, relationships with people, but it's, it's risky. It's dangerous. It's something that requires you. You can't just observe it. You have to be in it. It requires your participation. So if you want to experience community, you need to enter in. You can't wait for the perfect conditions or wait until someone or until it's easy. It's never easy. Community is hard work, and it's a good thing that's hard work. That's what makes it so meaningful. Um, so you need to actually step in and be a part of it. So coffee shop spirituality, and what I mean by that is people who would uh, rather go to the coffee shop and talk about God instead of go to church. I have nothing against actual coffee shops. They're wonderful. But coffee shop spirituality is all about playing the game in our court, on our terms, with our rules. It's about being convenient and about being comfortable. Coffee shop spirituality is a leisure activity that will never require you to do something hard or challenging. One thing I learned at Briarcrest is that spirituality is hard, and it's a good thing that it's hard. Sometimes we always try to figure out the easiest way to, and the most convenient way to do things, but there comes a point when we have to do something hard or make a hard decision. Sometimes it's hard to make the right decision, but it's very important to make that right decision. Um, the community you find in a church is quite different. Coffee shop spirituality is about you inviting you to take a chair and be comfortable. The church is all about Jesus inviting you to real life, to real community. So you might ask, if the church isn't telling me to take a seat and be comfortable, then why do I want to be here? The reason why is because God is calling you to something richer and more meaningful than comfort. When we were in uh, Mexico, we went to an all-inclusive resort. Uh, how many of you have been to an all-inclusive resort? So everything is met for you. you. You have meals. You eat as much as you want. I remember by the end of it, I was like, man, I, I want to learn what it feels like to be hungry again. Or what if I want to eat a bad meal again. Like, I don't know. We all look for, say, retirement. Or we look for when I get a million dollars. Or when things are perfect, then things will be comfortable for me. But when you get there, when I was at that resort, it was great. Don't, like... It was awesome. But there came to a point where it was like, okay, there's got got to be more. I'm ready to come back. I'm ready to do hard work. I'm ready to do something that's more important than comfortable or uh, convenience. Has anyone seen WALL-E, the movie WALL-E? I love that movie. Uh, And, okay, I'm not going to wreck it for you. One time I used a, a example, a movie example at youth, and I thought they all had seen it, so I just... I told the whole movie as an analogy. They're all pretty mad at me at the end. So, so I'm not going to wreck the movie for you. But part, So if you haven't seen it, go out and buy it. It's great. Uh, part of the movie is about a spaceship full of people who live what we would call the pinnacle of comfort and convenience. Everything is catered towards them, and they don't have to do a thing, kind of like my all-inclusive resort. Everything is clean. Everything is orderly. Everything is easy. But at one point, 
Uh, we watch this robot as he brings this plant and this bit of dirt into the spaceship, which creates this domino effect where people learn what it means to live inconvenient lives again. And we learn somehow through the movie that it's actually better to live inconvenient lives. All of a sudden, people start looking at the person beside them and see, oh, there is a, someone beside me. I can talk to them. That's great. And uh, it was almost as if their convenience had made it hard for them to interact, but they did it anyways. Have you ever noticed that with cell phones, Facebook, whatever, these are supposed to be things that are supposed to help us interact with people, but they can actually get in the way of real interaction. Um, Sometimes at Briarcrest, we had a lot of power outages. I don't know why. But uh, so there's this, we, there's this dorm in, with 30 guys in, in it, and we're usually all in our rooms on our computers, whatever. But when the power outage would come out, all of a sudden everybody would come out of the rooms. It's just alive, electric. We all know that we're, you know, we're all here, and everybody's just having such a good time when it's power's out. As soon as the power comes back on, we all go back in our rooms, and I think, man, that was a good time. <laughs> These conveniences of ours actually can get away in the way of what we really want, which is meaningful human interaction. So sometimes there's something more important than convenience. We praise convenience as if real life and convenience naturally go together, but these power outages have showed me that sometimes it's better for things to be inconvenient because then we know, we recognize that there's someone beside us. We start talking to them. Uh, real human interaction is not always comfortable and convenient. It's better. Uh, many of us want risk-free interaction, but there's no such thing as a risk-free relationship that is also, at the same time, a good relationship. Jump into community with all the risks that go with it. It's worth it. Uh, becoming a community just isn't the end, though. Community is also built up and strengthened in many ways, and I'm just touching the tip of the iceberg here. One way that community is built is through prayer, and I think this is one thing that really distinguishes the church because there's all kinds of, there's good community found everywhere else too, but the church is different. There's something unique about the church. And one, and one thing is that it's a spiritual community, uh, one that prays for each other. So the church community prays for each other regardless of who is in that community. Um, and it prays the hard prayers. It doesn't just pray easy prayers, it prays hard prayers. And what is a hard prayer? Jesus says in Matthew 5, 4, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That is a hard prayer. Um, but the church prays those prayers anyways. Um, it's usually the hard prayers that are most important to pray. Those are the, usually the ones that have the risk of doing something significant. Uh, so praying for enemies, that's hard, but it's a really good test for yourself to see if your prayer life is guided by your feelings or guided by your decision to follow God regardless of your feelings. Sometimes we want to wait until we feel like praying. Uh, and part of this is because we live in a feel-like-a-culture, so if we want a Tim Hortons coffee, we go get a Tim Hortons coffee, right? We're, we're used to these things. Um, and, but I think another reason why we feel, or we wait until we feel like praying, is because there legitimately are times when we feel like being spiritual or feel like praying. Uh, so we want to just kind of wait around until that feeling comes around again. Um, I remember when I was in youth, I would look at some of my youth leaders, and I would ask myself, how are these guys so good at Christianity? Like, how, how do I get to the point where I always want to make the right choice all the time? Uh, I've since found out that there isn't a person in this world that always feels like making the right choice, but there are people that make the right choice anyways. Um, you, I don't know if you should wait until you feel like praying for your enemies, because that's just so opposite to what we, we feel like doing. 
Uh, now, when I say enemies, I don't mean like like epic sort of arch enemies or the twin brothers that are in a you know lifelong struggle. It doesn't need to be this public thing. It could be pro it could be a secret thing. It could be something somebody that has hurt you or done some sort of injustice to you, and um, it's just it doesn't need to be this. It could be a subtle thing, something that you might not even recognize. And you wouldn't necessarily call them your enemies. We don't call people in Canada enemies, right? We're, we're civilized. We don't, you know, we don't talk like that. Uh, but maybe we ha do have people that have hurt us. Uh, and God has called us to pray for those people too. Don't wait until you feel like it because I don't know when that will happen. It's something you just do regardless because that's what the Bible says. It's obedience to Christ. I have figured out something in the last few years about my Christian life. And my feelings over the course of a year will go up and down like this. Uh, why? Because in a year, all kinds of things happen. All kinds of situations we did not ask for happen. And if I consulted my feelings when it came to living the Christian life, my Christian life would be like this. My commitment to Christ would be up and down like this. And my confidence in my Christian walk would be way down here, probably. But I figured out, finally, Gary, when it comes to the Christian life, don't consult your feelings, consult the Bible. This is the difference between coffee shop spirituality and the spirituality you'll find in the church. Coffee shop spirituality is about convenience and comfort, which means you'll never hear them pray for their enemies. Because that's like the opposite of comfort, right? That's not comfortable to do that. Uh, and it's probably the last thing you want to do in a coffee shop. Uh, but this is what distinguishes the church. The church prays for its com community, whether it feels like it or not. The church submits to the Bible, whether it feels, feels like it or not. And the church is not limited or dictated by its feelings. And this is, this is the hard part of Christianity. Um, when you go to the coffee shop, you choose who you want to go with. It's on your terms. It's on your time, whatever, right? But when you come to the church, you don't necessarily choose who you're with. And... That's when you've got to make the hard choice of praying for your church anyways, even if you have differences, even if someone has hurt you or whatever. It's, God still calls you to pray. This is one thing that really builds a kind of community that isn't found, say, in the coffee shop. Um, and you might say, well, that sounds pretty inauthentic and cold. Th this is one of the things I thought when I was younger, too. When it comes to the Christian life, you, you should only do what you feel like doing because that's authentic, right? You can't do what you don't feel like doing because that's just, you're not being yourself or whatever. But that's, that's not at all what the Bible says. The Bible says, um, follow Jesus, you know. Do, like, you, you look at the Bible and you submit yourself, you submit your life to what the Bible says because I don't think I should always trust my feelings, whereas I should trust God all the time, right? And so, when he says pray for your enemies, I don't feel like doing that, but maybe God knows something that I don't, you know? And maybe there's some wisdom in that that, uh, that maybe, maybe I not, might not even see, but God sees. So, it's very important to, to follow through on that. This kind of attitude and obedience to God actually creates a richer and more meaningful community that then you will find in the coffee shop. So, uh, when I was at Bible school, they just throw you into community. Like, they don't even ask your opinion on it. You, your first year, you're supposed to live in a dorm of 30 people. And uh, you have no choice. You have to do that. And uh, <clears throat> every year, these 30 guys would shape me in really unpredictable ways. And I think that's another 
uh, way to tell if you are in a real meaningful community is if you yourself are being shaped by the community uh, versus you are with a bunch of people and you expect everybody else to change for you. Um, that's not real community. When you enter into something where you have to change, where you have to become a better person, that's, that's growth. And that's something that's really important about community is that the community spurs you on to grow and become a better person. Uh, so, in this dorm, I was with 30 guys, and this, this is a typical night at broadcast would, would go as follows. A bunch of guys would gather in whichever room had the loudest sound system. That, that, was, that was where everybody went all the time. And uh, we would usually start out by having a normal conversation, but eventually we would get pretty restless and begin to play a game with a rubber ball or a shoe or whatever we could find. You know how guys are, right? They get bored, you got to do something. And uh, the game never resembled anything more advanced than what you would see in a, gym, a kindergarten gym class. But the only difference being that we were full-grown men in a very small room with very expensive breakable objects. Um, it would always get out of hand, escalating until something did break. The game was never ended well. Everyone was always upset at the end. Typical male dorm experience. Uh, it was usually at this time that the RA would come in... Um, stick his head into the, the room and say, okay, guys, it's time for Bible study. Get into your Bible study groups. I don't know if you've been in this situation, but, like, it's just so hard to be spiritual seconds after being competitive and mad. You know, your, your adrenaline's going. You're, you're just, <clears throat> I know I'm supposed to be spiritual all the time, but right now it's just not convenient for me to do this. Uh, and I think, yeah, that's, that's the way Bible college is. It's, uh, so we, we were at this point put into the awkward position of praying with those whom seconds ago we wanted to punch. <laughs> Do it sometime. It's really interesting what happens. Um, at that point, I didn't want to go to the Bible study full of people I didn't choose to be with. I wanted to go to the coffee shop where I could drink my favorite coffee and talk to my favorite people about who I'm mad at. And if I wanted to make it a spiritual meeting, maybe I'd pray for my favorite people, because, and it's easy because I like them. But instead, I have to pray for someone I'm mad at. This is what's so significant about the church, uh, this situation right here. Um, I definitely didn't feel like doing it, but anyway, so I, I put my hand on his shoulder and I started praying for him. And as I did this, my anger started to melt. Uh, but it was like this tension, though. I didn't want my anger to melt. I wanted to be angry with them. Have you ever felt that? You're, you're this stubborn, sort of almost competitive feeling. I, I want to be angry with this guy, but I, I kept on praying for him, and then my anger started to melt. And then he would pray for me, and then he would pray things like, uh, God bless him, keep him safe. And man, when someone you're mad at does that to, for you, it's, oh, it's just this... You don't know how to feel because they're praying this, this good prayer for you. At the end of it, it's, you can start to realize there's more important things uh, than whatever I was mad at. Um, those Bible studies were r never convenient and rarely comfortable, which usually meant they were meaningful and worth it. And so I think this is one thing, one huge difference between, say, the coffee shop and the church. The coffee shop is about convenience, whereas the church 
sometimes isn't too convenient because spirituality isn't always convenient. Sometimes it interrupts your normal routine, but it's worth it. The hard work that goes into spirituality is worth it. Sometimes we try to look for some convenient way to, to pray or to read our Bibles or whatever. But sometimes it's worth interrupting your day to pray or read your Bible because it's worth it. Well, we previously looked at Philippians 2, 1 to 2, where Paul told us to be like-minded, uh, be in one spirit and one mind. If we keep reading, we'll find that the next two verses sum up pretty well my whole sermon. So uh, if you forget everything I said, that's fine. So long as you remember these next two verses. <laughs> Philippians 2, 3 to 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Like, I might not always feel like looking to the interests of others. But if we as a community make that first step, we, we can't uh, forget, like, there's a, the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, right? And he makes a huge difference. And so when I started praying for my friend that I was mad at, I had to make the initial choice to do it. But as I started praying for him, the Holy Spirit did a work. So... It's not as if it's simply just works or simply the Holy Spirit. It's kind of a partnership, right? So you have to make the choice to be obedient. But in your obedience, God will make a difference in your heart. And so when, when in, uh, we look to the interests of others, you might have to make the initial step and maybe uh, prioritize others above yourselves. You might have to make the initial step. It might be hard. It might seem unnatural. It might seem inconvenient. But as you do that, the Holy Spirit does a work inside of you, and all of a sudden you start to care for the other person. If we live this verse, if we pray for each other, care for each other, then we will experience real community. And community is achieved, first of all, by stepping past that, that uh, that's, I guess you'd call the comfort zone, uh, into maybe the risk zone, if you want to call it, where uh, we put ourselves in this, maybe a bit of an uncomfortable position, but it's worth it. Uh, we, we participate rather than observe. And secondly, we live Philippians 2, 3 to 4, where we prioritize others above ourselves. And it does, this doesn't mean um, to belittle yourself. Like The Bible is very clear that you are valuable, that you, that you matter. But uh, if we prioritize ourselves above everybody else, that, that's an empty life. And you'll always be looking for this new way to, to fulfill yourself, but you won't be fulfilled. It's when you start to look to others and start to give to others, that's when fulfillment is found. That's when, and, and the interesting thing about it is fulfillment's a weird thing. When you chase after it, it's like it, it's always just beyond your reach. But once you forget about fulfillment, you start caring about others. Fulfillment's like a byproduct. It just happens on the side. And I don't know, it's just, it's just this more healthy way to live to live for others rather than ourselves. And I think this is a huge difference between going to church versus going to the coffee shop and talking about God you know, on our, on our own terms with people we like and all the rest. When you go to the church, you're called to something deeper. You're called to a community that's not just about your feelings, but about submitting yourself to the Bible, submitting yourself to one another. And it means praying for those that you're angry at. <laughs> that That is... Uh, 
it's really easy to pray for people that that uh, you had a really good conversation with or somebody that has given you something. It's easy to pray for them. But to pray for somebody that has maybe hurt you or whatever, that that is walking in obedience. That is being obedient to God, whether you feel like it or not. And that's when the Holy Spirit starts to do something and when the Holy Spirit starts to mend that broken relationship. So... Um, Wow, this is a short sermon. But anyway, so the the worship team can come up as I pray. God, I thank you for the gift of community that you've given us. Not everybody in this world has the opportunity to gather together with one another. I pray that you would help us realize the gift that you've given us and be good stewards of the gift that you've given us, which is each other. I pray that, uh, that we would pray for each other and pray the hard prayers, not just the easy prayers. Pray that we would pray for people that maybe have hurt us. Even in this church, I pray that we would pray the hard prayers, pray for, for those who have hurt us. Because this isn't a coffee shop where we just talk to people that, we, that are our favorite people or pray for people that are our favorite. This is the church where we get over those things and we, we just are obedient regardless of how we feel. And where we pray for people regardless of, of what they've done to us. And that's what it means to submit to Christ. That's what it means to submit to the to the authority of the word. And I, and I pray that we as a community would be a community that submits to the authority of the word. I pray that you'd be with us this week as we learn what it means to live out your word. In your name, amen. So Lindsay's going to lead us in a song. And then... Uh, do that so do you want to stand and join us as we sing strength arises we wait upon the lord we will wait upon the lord we will wait upon the lord strength arises we wait upon the lord we will wait upon the lord we will
Father, we thank you so much for the message that was spoken this morning. And Lord, the challenge that is there behind that message. And God, I pray that we would walk according to your ways. When it's difficult and it seems like there's just no way we can make it. Lord, I thank you that your word says that we are more than able through you. And so, God, for those that are dealing with unforgiveness or dealing with a troublesome situation where we just would rather walk away, Lord God, I pray that your spirit would rise up within us and we would do what is obedient to you and to your word and what may be difficult for our flesh. But God, those are the moments when we need to crucify that flesh and declare that we are a new creation in Christ. So Father, we pray that you would go with us throughout this week that's coming up. Whatever we face, you already know it. And we are so thankful that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We bless your name. We praise you. We thank you for your presence and your spirit in this house this morning. May you be honored and glorified in all we do. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.